1: 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hart rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? Wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over.
0: Welcome, Fight Fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host Sean Basto. And today it's just myself covering the episode and catching up on just over a week's worth of boxing. We're going to be covering the Liam Smith Sam Eggington Bill, which normally I would have done as a reaction show, but I've been a little busy this week. I'll tell you about that in a minute. And we're also going to be covering some of the action from the weekend just gone as well and talking about some of the news and gossip that's been going on over the past week in boxing. So before I Get into the episode as always i've got to give a big shout out to the sponsor for the podcast which is bear attack boxing who are producing high quality boxing gloves now you need to go over and have a look at their website look at all the range of products that they're doing they're bringing out some new products soon if you go and check them out subscribe to them it's www.bearattackboxing.co.uk and bear attack boxing all over social media facebook instagram twitter you know the score also while you're there and you're on social media Go and give us a follow at BTR Boxing Pod and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook as well. We're on there. We share our episodes today. You can see some of the latest news going on with To Do With The Podcast. Also, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere, basically. If you want to find us and subscribe to us, we're on every podcasting app available out there. So please go over. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It all helps. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's just myself this week for the episode. We're going to be covering a couple of the Legendary Nights series hopefully later on in the week, as well as an Anthony Crawler versus Vasil Lomachenko preview podcast episode too. So, just before we get into it then, I know you've been listening to me waffle for about nearly two minutes now, but there's been a little bit of an absence for about a week or so. Uh, we had the Irish Boxing News and the Irish Boxing uh, show last week, which we covered with John Balder, which was great, and thank you for the response on that. It's been uh, really appreciated by myself and John. But the last, the last week or so, has been pretty busy in, in my own life, in my personal life. I've made it busy for myself, basically. So as well as obviously running the platforms, uh, and overseeing obviously the jobs that the other guys do, and the articles they produce, and the content that goes out, I also have other things going on. I have a family, as you all know, I have kids, as you all know, but... I decided that because it's getting nearer to the time of the release of season 8 of Game of Thrones, I decided to start re-watching it from season 1 again, so in the space of two weeks, I've literally blasted my way through six seasons, I'm just starting season 7, I've just started the first episode of season 7, and I'm near enough going to be finishing it by the time it starts next week, so yeah, I, I probably took a bit of a, a backburn of the episodes, uh, that's why I've not got them out, but I'm an absolute massive Game of Thrones fan and I you know, really couldn't wait to, to get back into it and watch it and get some of the significant points again in my mind, ready for the final season, which is going to be enthralling, I'm sure. So, let's go back to what we're here for then today. We're here to talk about boxing and we're here to talk about some of the bills that have happened in the past week or so. So, first of all, I want to touch on the Liam Smith Sam Eggington matching bill in Liverpool, which was on the 30th of March. Now, I've, I've had loads of thoughts on this over the past week and a half about how this is going and my initial thoughts are that it was a return to form for matchroom boxing they did pull out a decent card it's something that I've been moaning about a little bit over the past couple of weeks but with due, you know, with due reason really with due cause because the first couple of shows of the year have been a bit piss poor this is a return to form for me and I quite enjoyed the show there were quite a few good fights on there that were definitely worth tuning into and obviously people have seen seen it all now they've seen all the social media aftermath and you know I've got some great points to really talk about on the episode today about that particular bill and obviously other stuff that's gone on over the past week and a half so let me start by the fight of the card really which we anticipated was going to be Scott Fitzgerald and Anthony Fowler and my word it was a cracking fight and actually by the time it got to Smith versus Eggington, the crowd was dead it was absolutely dead on its feet because everybody was so hyped to see the Fitzgerald Fowler fight and delivered on all levels it gave us everything we wanted to see from two prospect undefeated fighters it was a great, great performance from the pair of them and Fowler just came up short in the end. I think going into the going into that last round before there was a knockdown scored, it was a very very close and possibly an even fight and I think without that knockdown in arguably Fowler could have took that on the cards, although I did see Fitzgerald just nicking it by a round and I think even if he would have just won the round and not got the knockdown, I still think it could have been caused to just give him a bit by one round or possibly score it a draw, but i found Like Fitzgerald did enough to win in that fight, and he showed that little bit more extra heart and determination than Fowler did. I'm not saying Fowler didn't, because he he certainly did throughout the fight, and he's shown us that he can come again. And he's shown us that the only way he's up for him here now, there's nothing to be ashamed of from losing this fight. It was a great fight, and I'm really excited to see where both of their careers can go, and what a loss does for Fowler, how that can propel him back up. And making learn from the mistakes he made in the fight. And for Fitzgerald, you know, the world's his oyster. You know, he's still he's still loving it on social media, still raving about his win and you know the future looks bright for him and I expect to see him in some in some brilliant fights over the next eighteen months. So it was an absolutely brilliant fight for me. It was just the best fight of the card by far. And I'm really happy for both guys. You know, it was a great performance and if anything it was a it was a win win situation for both of them, regardless of whoever took the loss. It was win-win because of the performances of both of them on the night. David Price and cash alley i tell you what now i wasn't expecting that fight to go down the way it did now i expected pricey to to do away with cash alley i've got to be honest i felt like from what i'd seen of cash alley he he, he, not to be too disrespectful of the guy because he 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 didn't do himself any favors in the fight week he didn't do himself any favors for his reputation in the fight but you know he was a half decent fighter i'm not saying he should have been in the ring with price price has obviously dropped complete levels from where he was a couple of years years ago and even last year fighting Povetkin and giving Povetkin a fantastic fight, but for me, David Price, you know, was always going to struggle in this fight, he was always going to struggle with his stamina issues, they're still there, he took some right lickings at times in that fight from Cash Ali, and I thought at one point Ali might even stop him, which was, you know, not a surprise to a lot of people, a lot of people were expected Price to probably get banged out in this one and actually it wasn't the case, but Ali he could see when the going got tough he wanted out, and to bite a man in a boxing ring, you know, the amount of times he did, and significantly The final bite, which caused the disqualification, was unreal. You know, we don't see these things happening in boxing. You get your one-off events like your Mike Tyson biting a piece of Holyfield's ear off. I mean, that was you know something that will always remember, be remembered in boxing history, and I'll always remember it. But at this level, you know, if 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 you're struggling in a fight, you know, if you go out on your shield, go out on your shield, don't go out as a disqualified loser don't go out in that fashion why do it if you get if you're struggling if you, you know you, you know you're not going to win just give it your all and go out on your shield if you get knocked out you get knocked out but to go in there and bite somebody through frustration of not being able to get where you want to go in the fight is is despicable and quite rightly he's had his license revoked indefinitely and if he wants to get it back he's going to have to do some absolute groveling and he's probably going to have to go to some sort of anger management classes or something like that to prove that you know he's gotten over this issue but it's there's no place for it in the sport and it looks bad and Pricey did a great job of staying professional throughout the aftermath of it and Cash Alley you know get got pints thrown over him and people trying to punch him from the crowd. I mean, you don't bite a scouser in Liverpool, come on. Do you know what I mean? You don't do that. It's just not right. You don't do it in any town where there's the hometown fighter. You don't... To do that, you're just you you're asking for trouble. And it was an act of desperation, clearly, from Ali. And, you know, he obviously regrets it. And fair play to him for coming out afterwards, the next day, that is. <laughs> and just to say in what, you know, what, what he felt. People have been, obviously, very harsh on him. And, and, and quite rightly so. However, I think there's a, you know, there's sort of a point where you've got to say, Right, come on, you know, this Twitter trolling stuff and the, the threats made towards him and stuff. You know, There's just, it's just no need for that, to be honest with you. I think it's bollocks. Absolutely bollocks. The man did what he did. He's apologised for it. He's had his licence revoked. What more do you want? Do you know what I mean? Come on. Anyway, Cash Ali. Lost via disqualification. David Price moves on. You know he wants maybe Dave Allen next out right, of the winner and then him and Brown. So there's still there's still fights there for Pricey. You know these are going to get banged out and sparked again. Possibly it could possibly happen. I just I just. I'll give him credit where credit's due, he's still banging away, he can still punch and hurt anybody in the heavyweight division, I don't care who you are he could hurt anybody, but I just don't think he has got the, the he's not at, he's not at that level anymore that he once was at, where you could possibly see in him you know, beating one of these big world heavyweight titleists or challengers or whoever he's not there anymore, you know he's, 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 he's probably, best case scenario for me, he's probably sort of European level, because I think he's better than British level, but I think if if someone asked me the question could you see Pricey beating a Joe Joyce or could you see Pricey beating a Dubai or a Gorman. The answer is probably no, I couldn't. I couldn't could see him doing that, actually. So then that make, does that make him British level? It probably does. Anyway, I don't want to focus too much on the negative side of things. You know, he got the win. He can move on. He can look at another decent payday against another well-known name. So also on the card then, another great fight, which was Joe Hoos and Robbie Davis Jr. Again, it was another, another close fight. It was a real good competitive matchup between the two. And I think the only issue with the end of this fight was the scorecard from Terry O'Connor at 118-110 to Robbie Davis Jr. Again, piss poor card. There's no excuse for it. How can you give the man that many rounds? Eight rounds to four. There's no way it was a lot more competitive than that. If anything, the probably most accurate scorecards was Liverpool's Mark Lyson. 115-113. That was probably my card from the night. I, didn't, I think it was close. I think Davis just about edged it. Them two rounds, yeah, I, could, I can say for sure that he probably did enough to get them two rounds over Hughes and pick up that victory. And at times, at the first few Rounds of the fight, he looked a bit like Hughes might actually do a number on on Davis Jr. But Davis Jr.'s skill took over, and he, he stepped up a level in this fight, and he got a great victory over Hughes. And now we're going to see what's next for him. Obviously, the super lightweight division domestically is buzzing at the moment, so we've got the British super lightweight title and the European super lightweight title that he's got now. And there's there's plenty of people around in the division, you know, for him to look at uh, for certain. I mean, Jack Cattrell is is a good name for him. Although Jack cattle wants to move on to sort of world honors. I think you gotta think of domestic fights wise. There's 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 nobody else around who domestically he could go in the ring with and and, and, you know it'd be a legitimate fight I mean you look down the card you look at the fact that O'Hara Davis is still floating around Lewis Ritson's up in that division now I mean a possible Commonwealth fight with Philip Bowes who would beat Tom Farrell on the same card would probably be the logical fight to happen because he's got a title Bowes got a title and Robbie Davis Jr's got these two titles and that would would be a decent fight and I think after Bowes's performance against Farrell I think it probably would make a really really good clash of styles so logically that's what we'd want to see next for Robbie Davis Jr but I'm really pleased for him you know his great performance he's he's really come on strong since his, his loss and he's bounced back from that loss uh, I'm really pleased for the man so Philip Bowes then I was just talking about there beat. Tom Farrell now that was a great performance from Philip Bowes to be honest with you I think there was a lot of people expecting Farrell to win because he's the hometown boy I think they felt he was he was gonna win but Tom Farrell's had a had a lot of stuff going on outside of the ring personally which is, I'm not going to say it's an excuse for, for, for this fight at all because I don't believe it is but I do believe the stuff that's happened to him outside of the ring mentally plays a factor in, in, in you getting back in the ring and I don't know if maybe you needed a couple of more fights tuning up wise before he uh, got this one but that, you know that's that's a lesson learned. He had a he had a great fight with Bose and he, he, he proved that he is a very good fighter and that he can hang it at that level. He just wasn't his knight and Philip Bowes looked brilliant and, and he really outboxed Farrell. Uh, really slick, great counter punching, really enjoyed his performance and it wasn't a performance I was expecting so when you don't see these things happening in a fight and you expect something different to get something like that performance was, was brilliant for, for for me, really as a fan to watch I was you know I was really impressed with him. So Philip Bowes could go on now and fight Robbie Javis Jr that would be ideal matchmaking at this stage of the both of the careers so we'll see what happens there then main event time then something I've not talked about Smith and Eginton. and like I said earlier the crowd was absolutely dead <laughs> at that point from the fact that you'd had a brilliant fight between Fowler and Fitzgerald that sucked the life out of the crowd but Smith and Eginton. This was what we were saying is potentially a risky fight for Smith and a winner-take-all situation for Egginton. And there's one thing that people always throw around, a cliche saying that people always throw around, including myself, levels in boxing. This was a case of levels. Liam Smith looked an absolute world away from Sam Egginton. I've never seen Sam Egginton made to look so ordinary I mean people might say oh well, he looked ordinary before you know he got beat off McWanio and Mimume yeah he did but he didn't look as ordinary as this at all, because of the level that Liam Smith's at. And Liam Smith has proved yet again that although he's been beaten off Canelo and McGuire, he's still got a place in that super welterweight division in the world stage. There was a lot of fighters he could go in with. He's got Charlo, he's got Heard, he's got a potential domestic fight with Kell Brook. You know, There's some great fights to be lined up for Smith, and I do believe if you threw him in with three of them names, he'd definitely walk away with one or two wins there. Definitely, because he's an absolute gutsy fighter who gives it his all and he's got so much heart. It sounds like I'm absolutely licking his ass, but I'm not. But that's just what I've seen of him. I've seen how much heart he's got and people will probably agree. People might not. I don't care. But I think he's got a lot of heart and he's proved himself at the world level that he can hang it with world level fighters and that was just uh, an absolute decimation of Sam Egginson who for me regardless of this loss can still come back because he is still only young I pointed that out in the preview episode to this fight he is still only young so he has got an opportunity to come back and at least push himself back to the European level I don't think he'll ever get past European level and that's a fact if he gets past European level uh, you know I mean I've got to, I've got to find of some, think of some sort of forfeit I can do there's got to be something out there but I don't see game past European level to be honest I really don't and I think He's had a great run so far as a fighter and I think there's a few more great nights for him to come but I don't think it's going to be anywhere past the European level. So, Liam Smith closed the show with a great decimation of Sam Eginton, and obviously moves on now to potential big fights on the world stage. Also on that card, Paul Butler picked up a win. Jared Carroll and Natasha Jonas looks a little bit better than she did in a previous fight against Obonov. She's come back with that victory. Craig Glover managed by Tony Bellew. Shock upset defeat to Valkov. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it was a shock defeat. It was on the Facebook live stream that Sky Sports did, and people seeing it was just like, what's going on? Sometimes this, this isn't supposed to happen, and it did. And Craig Glover now has got to go away and seriously contemplate what his next moves are, because... To be defeated by a journeyman at this early stage of your career is... And his second defeat, by the way, on his record at this early stage of his career. You're got to sort of contemplate what what's the next best thing to you for you to do as a fighter. Do you need to move camps? Do you need to change a few things up the way you do things? I suppose these are the questions that he'll probably be asking himself. Definitely. So, overall it was a great card, it really was a return to form and I just wish we got got more of these knights and I hope we do I mean I'm probably clutching at straws when I say that but I hope we do get more of these knights because I felt like this was a decent card and there were some real outstanding fights and some real fantastic performances by individuals on this card so yeah I, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. So there's so much news to, to, to catch up on for myself really and, and discuss and, and give talking points to because I've missed so much much in the space of a week actually even though it was a quiet weekend last weekend just gone boxing actually been so much stuff going on in boxing and i think i sort of try and Cover it all as chronologically as I can. I think the first bit of news that everyone was talking about was the Kubrat Pulev situation with this reporter Jenny Ravallo. I don't know what people are making of this bullshit. I mean, it's hard. It's hard because on one hand you've got to look at out there. You know, he planted a kiss on this reporter who has later been seen in videos lap dancing with one of his friends or lap dancing on one of his friends with him in the party as well. So for them for it to come out and kind of say you. You know, he's 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 inappropriately kissed me, and I didn't want it. And it was against me, will, and all that bullshit. I, I, it gives women a bad name, is what it does. It gives the genuine females out there that have had this type of you know contact from men inappropriately. It gives them a it gives it gives a bad name to women, and tries to put a perception that a lot of women do this when in reality there's people that genuinely get these things happening to them against their will and nobody listens to them and nobody hears them. And then there's people like this reporter who was quite clearly, you know, very pally-pally with Pulev. And then also that video kind of proves it the fact that she was part of his party and she's lap dancing. And to me, it just feels like she's... (sighs) Part of this sort of generation of female reporters who, and this is going to be probably a controversial topic to, to discuss. It feels like she's part of this generation of female boxing reporters that have come through that f- kind of flaunt themselves to get where they want to be within the industry. And obviously, it, it you know it sounds harsh me saying it like that, but for me it's the truth. I I've been to a lot of shows over the past two years of of doing the boxing media stuff and the amount of occasions where I have seen you know very nice dolled up pretty looking women that are there acting as presenters for YouTube channels but yet absolutely no jack shit about boxing and they're having people feeding them that information in to make them sound like they're educated on boxing when really they're not they're just trying to get themselves on a camera to try and get some sort of presenting career going and you know fair play for them to doing what they want to try and do which is to get that type of a role but it puts a bad light I think on on some people that are genuinely just trying to get into it for the love of the sport. I've seen other female reporters out there that don't do half of that stuff and are actually clued up and are actually well educated when it comes down to boxing and knowing their stuff and I can appreciate people like that and I can respect people like that. What I don't respect is the people that come along and think because they've got a look or, you know, they they look prettier than most girls or whatever it may be, that they can use that to their advantage and automatically, you know, fighters are going to look at them and go, oh yeah, she's pretty fit. I'll talk to her and she might know jack shit about boxing but they'll talk to her probably because they're staring at her tits. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So that's what most of us are thinking out there and I'm just saying it. It's the truth. That's what most of the time, that's what happens most of the time you see them out there there's so many of them I've seen so many of them out there over the past 18 months it's ridiculous honestly I can't believe it and don't get me wrong you know, the fighters will speak to me. They probably might want to speak to a prettier face than me, don't get me wrong. But would they rather speak to somebody who knows what they're talking about than somebody who doesn't? I'm pretty sure they would. I'm pretty sure they'd want to be speaking to people that are actually educated to their careers, that are actually educated to the fight and can talk about the fight properly with them and not just ask them generic questions. And that's what a lot of the female boxing reporters do. They ask generic questions fed into them by other people. And for me, it doesn't do the other people out there, a lot of justice that that are trying hard to to achieve something in their careers when it comes down to the boxing media side. This whole situation with Pulev, you know... I don't know what to think of it. I don't know what to make of it. It looks like, from stuff that's come out, that actually she is the one that's maybe telling a few porcupines and maybe trying to get some attention and some fame. That's kind of what I think with it all. Anyway, I'll move on from this topical, controversial subject. I'm sorry if I have come across and offended people, but I do feel like there's there's, there's definitely a conversation to be had there when it comes down to that type of stuff. And uh, There's a lot of talks then of Pacquiao facing off with Thurman for the WBA title in June uh, in July sorry that would be a good fight I would be interested in seeing that I think Thurman needs a good opponent like Pacquiao and regardless of the age of Pacquiao he's still proven time and time again that he's still got enough to be classed as a legitimate win regardless of how old he is if Thurman beat Pacquiao that'd be a legitimate win for him on his record against a guy that yeah okay he's 40 but look at the fighters he's been in with look at the fighters he's beaten look at how he's done recently to me that just goes to show you that you know he's still got it and it could still be a real competitive fight and we never know we might even see a Pacquiao win and then what we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about Pacquiao maybe facing off against someone like Spence so lots to talk about there We've also got another big speculative piece of information which has been going around for quite a while now but has resurfaced again. The fact that Vladimir Klitschko has apparently been offered a deal by Zone to return for I think about two or three fights, and one of them being Deontay Wilder. About 60 million, I think the figure was. That's been floated around. Now, I've made my opinions on social media quite well-known to people on this situation, but I'll reiterate it again for those who haven't heard it. Vladimir Klitschko's had his day... He's had his day. He had a great career. He beat the majority of the fighters that were put in front of him bar two or three. But to see him come back at this age, do you really want to see it? I think that's the question you've got to ask yourself as a fan. Do you really want to see him come back? After years of people slagging him for his style, slagging him for his boring fights, why do you want to see him come back? Most people now want to see him come back. Most of the casual audience want to see him come back because they remember the fight with Anthony Joshua, which was one of the best fights of Klitschko's career. Action-wise competitiveness wise probably one of the best fights of his career if not the best so that's why people want to see him come back they want to see how he do against someone like a Deontay Wilder he's struggling for opponents because none of the big guns want to get back in with him now or get in with him so I can understand why people want him to come back but I'd rather not he's a decent man he seems like a great man I've never met him but from everything I've seen interviews press stuff that I've seen he seems like a really genuine nice guy why would you want to see him come in there and potentially get hurt Four years old. No matter how much he keeps himself in shape outside of the ring, he can't get away from father time and his body will be declining slowly. So, why would you want to see him get back in there when he's already had his day? Yes, he could go in there and beat Adillion White, and people will be like, oh, here we go. Could he potentially have a, a win over Wilder? If that happens, fantastic. But I don't want to see it. I'll be honest, I don't want to see that happen. I'd rather see him stay retired and let someone else have a shot. Let White have a shot at Wilder. Why not give White the shot? Stop looking at the Klitschko's and peoples of the past. There's no point. So that's come... <laughs> well, funny, I just it's making me laugh because I'm reading it as I'm going through the list of stuff to talk about. And uh, David Price offering himself as a comeback fight for... Uh, Klitschko is hilarious, I mean I I, I, I don't want to see it, as simple as that I don't want to see it, I'd rather not I'd rather see something a little bit different from, from one of the younger fighters getting their opportunity to do it personally, that's what I'd much prefer to see The WBO, I've been talking about scheduling purse bids for Kovalev versus Yard and there's been talk of this happening in Russia, which, let's be honest, is never going to happen at all, at all. Russia's really well known for being quite rife with racism, so to send a black man over there in hostile territory against their favored fighter, I mean, come on, isn't going to happen, is it really, let's be honest. <laughs> Yard's manager's the best, you know, some of the shit he comes out with is is Hilarious. He's an absolute fantastic mouthpiece. He's a mouthpiece and a half. But he's basically saying, you know, you can't rush us. We'll do everything in our time and we'll do it where we want to do it. And no amount of money is going to change that. And fair play for, you know, he says he's the A side and all the rest of it. Sometimes it is funny, but sometimes, you know, they're obviously making the decisions that are right for them. We all want him to see him fight a big, big fighter and, and be proven. But I don't think it's going to happen. I don't know if this fight will happen. Will it come off? Will it happen in the UK? Will it happen in Russia? We don't know. I'd love to see it happen. I'd love for Yard to show us what he's made of. I'd love that to happen. But again, I've spoken about this before. I think he needs... Uh, a, a gatekeeper fight first like a Chalemba I said this before I think that's the type of fight he needs before you start sticking him in with a Kovalev if he goes in there against Kovalev and he don't, he hasn't got the level of experience behind him which we know he hasn't he could get blasted out of there and then everybody would be laughing at him going oh well, we told you so although he could go in there and blast Kovalev out on and then it will give more claims to jj's Facebook post that he puts out when he talks about the A side and what they're doing. So all the things that are going on then in boxing, we've got loads of stuff coming up over the next few weeks, and it's been really quiet over the past weekend. I wanted to touch on the fact that Martin Bicole came back after losing to Mike Hunter and dispatched marius Wack in emphatic fashion in Poland, stopping him, which was a great performance from Bacol a lot of people were slagging him off after they lost to Hunter, mainly because of his trainer Billy Nelson hyping him up on social media but he's come back and he's got a great win so fair play to him for that win over the weekend I've seen the performance I was impressed with the performance will he mix it with some of the bigger heavyweights possibly will he win some of them fights I don't know I'm kind of leaning towards the fact that he might be competitive in a lot of fights but he may not go on to do great things that was spouted about him in the past 18 months Alexander Usik then, Carlos Takam is going to be his first opponent at heavyweight on the 25th of May at the MGM National Harbour. So, we're finally getting to see the heavyweight debut of Usik, which we've been waiting for. We've been waiting to see who he's going to come out against first. There was talk of Povetkin. We're getting Takam, which is a legitimate heavyweight oppo- opponent who, obviously, we've seen him in against Anthony Joshua. We've seen him in against Derrick Chisora. He's a durable opponent. If Usik can go in there and do a number on him, that makes his start to the heavyweight division even greater because not many people do that to Takam. already did it. Joshua couldn't do it, so if Usyk can do it, it's a good statement for him to start his heavyweight career and I do genuinely look forward to it, I think it'll be a brilliant fight, I think it'll show us if Usyk can go up and carry the weight and still carry the power and still carry the speed and skill all the way up to heavyweight, I'm looking forward to it, I think it'll be great. So what else have we got going on in boxing then, there's there's so many bits and bats of information coming out over the past couple of weeks, the return of Martin Murray was something I wanted to touch on as well. Obviously he lost a decision to Hassan and Dam and decided to make the announcement to retire but has now decided he wants to come back and there's a lot of talk of him potentially fighting Chris Eubank Jr. for his IBO title which I wouldn't begrudge Miri another opportunity I don't think. I think he's guy that's kind of deserved it. I mean, didn't think he lost the fight to him, damn personally. But, is he going to beat a guy like Eubank? I don't know. Eubank is younger, fresher, stronger. Well, maybe not stronger, but he's definitely got less miles on the clock than what Murray has. And, you know, maybe this would be one good last hurrah for Martin Murray. A good payday for him, for sure. But, I, I don't know. We'll see. I'll see what happens. There's definitely, you know, for me, a potential for a good comeback fight for Martin Murray. I don't know if this is the... the the right one if he's serious about coming back full time and having a few more fights if he's going to go in with Yuan Jr I think it's going to be a very difficult fight for him and I get the sneaking suspicion it might only be for a payday if he does come back and he does fight him I think there'll probably be people out there that agree as well I think it would just be I'm coming back for a payday uh, and that's that so what else have we got going on then Uh, Frank Warren is another bit of information that people have probably seen on social media Frank Warren's mapped out his plan for Daniel Dubois in 2019 so he beat Kajanu March the eighth, he's fine Richard Lart on April the twenty-seventh. And Warren's now saying by the end of two thousand and nineteen he'll have been in with both Joe Joyce and Nathan Gorman And I tell you what, if that was what we got, I'd be I'd be really, really happy. I'd be in fact I'd be buzzing with that because they are two fantastic opponents to go in with, I mean, Joyce and Gorman and definitely um, no disrespect to Latte, I think he'll beat latte it, but we want to see whether Dubai is the real deal and the British heavyweight scene and the world heavyweight scene yeah, there's not a lot of other fighters you can start sticking people like Dubai in with and a guy like Joyce who I've, I've really been impressed with as his career has gone on and guys like Garmin who I've been impressed with as his career has gone on as well so I'd like to see these fights domestically and quite surely one of them out of them three will propel themselves into the world stage quite quickly with a win over either one so it'd be definitely good if it pans out that way but whether it does again that's another if that's definitely another if and a but so what else have we got then that's going on Uh, Huey Fiore returning to the ring on May the 25th in Manchester Victoria Warehouse going to be Hennessy sports promotion going to be shown on Channel 5 I'll definitely be getting myself down to that one because I'll be interested to see what changes they made as to whether they can uh, come back and mount a shot at a world title? I'll be quite interested to see. I mean, he gets a lot of shit, does he, see if you are He really does. Will he ever become a world champion? I don't know. I don't know. It's a difficult one to say. I don't want to sit here and say... He isn't gonna ever make that world championship status, but with the people that are out there now against the last couple of his performances, do you really see it happening and I don't see it happening so that's my that's my thought on, on, on the situation what else have we got then? Obviously this week is gonna be Anthony Crawler Basil Lomachenko, which I'll be doing a full episode on come the end of the week. We're doing a full special on both men on the careers, the lead up to this particular fight. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting topic of conversation because of the fact nobody's giving credit probably an absolute chance but I think I'm going to you know put a good case out there for both men really and and, and have a good chat about it and we'll see what happens uh, come fight night. Uh, Anything else going on this week? Not a lot to be honest with you. i have got Lomachenko, crawler got Ramirez, Kerpense, got Truax and Quillen, Derivachenko and Kulkai Shields and Hammer and Munguia and Hogan. So there's a couple of fights on. There's not a lot of domestic stuff going on. That's the only disappointment this week is there's not a lot of domestic fights going on. Everyone's just looking forward to to Officer Crawler fight with Lomachenko and trying to get behind him. Um, all the topical stuff then going on this week in boxing, there's always something going on. One of the things I've not mentioned um, because it's not strictly boxing related, it's bare-knuckle boxing related, is this world of bare-knuckle boxing and the whole rise of bare-knuckle boxing and starting to get a few former professional fighters that have sort of walked away from boxing but now I've come back to bare-knuckle boxing. People like Curtis Woodhouse, Tyler Goodjohn, Mr. the biggest one being Pauli Malignaggi fighting Arturim Lobov and obviously seeing that video of Malignaggi squaring off with him and then giving him a little slap in the face and all the melee and the scuffle and the hyping up I'd I'd like to know what people's thoughts are on bare knuckle boxing Uh, do you you like it? Do you think it should be more legitimised? What are your initial thoughts on this situation? Let me know, give me a tweet because I am genuinely interested to see what people think about this out there. I was approached about a year ago to attend one of these local bare knuckle boxing events in manchester now initially i felt like you know i'll be good i'll go and cover it for easily boxing with people then you know a few people around me were saying you know is it going to cause more damage to what you're trying to achieve than than you know actual publicity to what you're trying to achieve and actually i wasn't sure so i didn't go but it seems to be more and more on the rise and the fights look the fights look brutal I've got to be honest the fights just look like glorified street fights but with a bit more finesse because obviously these guys are a lot of the guys that fight in it are, 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 have got some sort of you know combat sports experience the guys that have not you know you can kind of tell you can weed them out quite quickly but I don't think they just let anybody fight anybody especially in things like BKB I know they seem to be really on the rise in the UK especially with them being televised as well I know they were on uh, a channel last week or the week before uh, on Sky and Virgin Media so there obviously is a market there for this and people are enjoying it and it is quite a brutal... You know, brutal way of, of of the sport happening without the gloves on, and you know, if you look back through through historical stuff, actually, these this is the type of stuff that used to go on. You know, when you talk about like the the Roman Colosseum, and you talk about you know other areas of the world where they had fighting pits and and these types of things happened all the time, and bare knuckle boxing was the thing that led into gloved loved boxing. So you know, I'm really interested to hear people's thoughts on the bare knuckle boxing scene and whether you enjoy it, whether you think it's not great, and whether it puts a bad light on the sport in general. I mean, you know, for me, from what I've seen so far, they're starting to legitimise it more. There's more rules, there's more regulations. You know, it's monitored. It's obviously always going to be frowned upon by the British Boxing Board of Control. So you know, they're never going to you know give their seal of approval on something like that, it's absolutely 100% not. However, the more it starts to rise, the more people start to take an interest in it. The more it could end up being like a UFC. I mean, think about the UFC. It was banned in America in you know so many states across america and now look at it it's a multi-million pound company that has transcended some of the stars like you conor mcgregor's you ronda rouses you know you've got you ken shamrocks you've got your tito ortiz there's so many of them that i could just throw john jones daniel cormier Brock lesnar you know i'm throwing names off the top of my head these are the types of guys that have been transcended as part of this sport and that year you know a few years back nowhere near on the same level as it is today so can bernacle boxing go that way can it become a sport like that can it compare can it compete with boxing it's a very interesting and topical debate and i am really interested to get in some more opinions on this situation my initial thoughts are on it are that it is it is a dark horse at the moment in the world of combat sports. And I think before too long, people are going to start to really catch on to it. And it's going to start to really get a real big fan base. I know that they're selling the O2 out with their events. And I know that for sure, because I know people that are attending them and working behind the scenes. So if they're selling the O2 out, and yet some events in glove box, boxing are not selling out the O2, or not even selling out a leisure centre, to me that indicates that you know they're, they're starting to make some strides and there's not a lot of people really talking about it, and it's just starting to get more publicity now because of the boxers that are moving over and transitioning to bare knuckle boxing so yeah interested to see what people's thoughts are on that situation bare knuckle boxing let me know drop me a tweet i'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on bare knuckle boxing so i haven't got anything else to add to this week's episode um i'm going to be back on later on this week we're going to have the two legendary nights episodes i've been voted for by you the listeners and the followers on twitter and facebook so they'll be coming out i'll be getting them recorded a little bit later we've got the crawler lomachenko preview coming up this week and then we'll get back to you at next week for a reaction show and normal service we'll resume so as always find us on Podbean on Apple Podcasts iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Player FM, YouTube I don't know how I reel it all off but I do so get on there follow us at BTR Boxing Pod BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook and one more big final shout out to Bear Attack Boxing get on there check out their high quality gloves guys thank you so much for listening to this episode of BTR Boxing Podcast see you next time <laughs>